You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Hi guys, this is Jesse with the Voluntary Vixens, and I am back with my co-host Maddie. And I exist. <laughs> I'm here. And I'm back. Man, a lot of things have happened since the last time you were on the show. I know. Especially in your neck of the woods. Um, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about just some of the things that you've been going through or experiencing on your end? Yeah, well, I mean, we're definitely living in a different world. I don't want to say a new world or it's the new normal or anything like that. Anything to normalize this freak show that we've been thrown into and are still in however many months later, like, let's see, six months later, going on seven months later, and there's no known end in sight. There's no uh, there's no goalposts, really. Like, they've stopped talking about goalposts because, I mean, they changed them so many times throughout this whole quote-unquote pandemic. I say quote-unquote pandemic because, like we have been this whole time, we've been really actually, like, wondering if this is going to be something that constitutes as a pandemic. And I can't remember where I read it, but, and somebody, if anybody does hear this, like, please send me where I found this, that the CDC actually officially just released it as an outbreak and not a pandemic. But, you know, everybody still chooses to use the word pandemic because it's scarier. I've purposefully been not using it for months now because I didn't want to over over stimulate people that are already scared over something that um you know has over a 99% recovery and you know we do know and one of the things that I've been dealing with recently and literally just changed my world yesterday is I hesitate to even lump it in this category but since my aunt who passed away yesterday will go down on paper as one of these COVID, COVID deaths. Yeah, we, 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 we know that there is a virus. We know that there is something out there. And, and along with other viruses and other ways that we become ill, whether it's from an outside source, or honestly, there are so many opportunities for sickness to happen within you. Mm -hmm. And on a cellular level that is no fault of anybody else's no fault. It's not Donald Trump's fault. It's not Joe Biden's fault. It's not, well, some deaths in this are uh, certainly Andrew Cuomo's fault, but it's just what a madhouse. We've been talking about this and like, you know, every time we uh, talk, Jesse, it's like you and I both are so sick of this and, mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, like, so I guess now that I've experienced some real world consequences of the virus, I'll clarify that shortly. I mean, does it change my opinion overall? No, it really doesn't. I mean, so what they've done to the economy for this thing that allegedly is responsible for X number of deaths that they're telling us and we know they've been wrong and inflating the numbers from the get-go, it's like my aunt, who, like I said, just passed away yesterday, she was literally the depiction of poor health. And she was 
unfortunately, just, you know, I don't exactly know how it all started, but she's been sick. She had been sick for a very long time. And it was just something that, you know, it always seemed to be something new. And so I guess a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, she technically was exposed to quote unquote a COVID-19 positive in that it was brought into her home. Somebody had a positive test. How accurate are these tests? I don't know. Like, was it, it, it almost doesn't even matter, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll get to why it does matter. So like, you know, a sickness was brought into the home of a very immunocompromised woman. And so at first nothing was happening. You know, she just was relaying that she had, Allergy-like reactions, sniffles, some um, stuffy nose, like throat tickle, like it was nothing. And honestly, like we all expected it to be the worst in her and it wasn't. So we were all like obviously very pleasantly surprised and we were like, oh my God, like if the least healthy person on the planet or at least in our sphere has quote unquote COVID and this is her reaction to it, like really how bad can it be? And then, you know, again, so things started to shift and she had uh, GI issues and ended up having to go to the hospital for dehydration to not mm. be so graphic, you know, dehydration that comes from GI issues. So she went to the hospital for this dehydration. She probably took too many days to get to the hospital, especially considering, you know, her past history, including lupus and lymphoma. Lymphoma was an iatrogenically caused cancer from her anti-rejection meds. Go figure. I mean, hmm. just another proof and point that sometimes what you're given is not what's going to help you. And or it's not the miracle pill that we all want these things to be. They're not quick fixes. They're not um, end all be alls. Like everything you put into your body has a result and a consequence. And so, you know, again, I think the fact that we've been talking about how important it is to make sure you yourself are healthy first, like boost your immune system, like yeah. try to take control and, um, you know, stay independent from the health system because it's not there to help you. It's there to entrap you. But anyway, so... You know, she went to the hospital and they tested her again. And, um, you know, she was actually fine in the hospital for a bit. Um, they got her out of Shady Grove. They sent her to an actual, like, cancer research hospital. So where they were treating her lymphoma. Um, and so she got a lot better care there. Honestly, like, um, Jesse, I'm sure. And I think we've talked about even in your experience that, like, honestly, a lot of community hospitals, certain ones are really just like people go there to die. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's not hospice, it's a hospital, but like, it's just, it's seen as an end as opposed to where they're going to fix you and make you better. And, um, every, so she got, we got her transferred from there to the cancer hospital, cancer research hospital pretty quickly down in Baltimore. And, um, so she was doing a lot better then. And she was just, you know, chilling. She was doing well, communicating with all of us. Of course, none of us were allowed to be there. She wasn't allowed to have any visitors. She was completely alone for all this, so without an advocate. And I will say, not smart for anybody because it's just unkind. But also, this woman 
the lymphoma she had. She part of her treatment and and what she did survive this year, which is incredible. She had three brain tumors that were formed from this cancer. Mm-hmm. She went through the radiation to minimize and deplete them, and she did. Like against all odds, she did that. So anyway, a woman who's had a lot of brain treatment. Yeah. And tumors this year. So, like, let's just leave her very sick lady on her own in the hospital. Not allowed to see anybody, of course. And technically, you know, she, because of that stupid PCR test, and God knows, you know, how many cycles this one went through since there's not a standardized version throughout this country, probably throughout my state, throughout the world. Nobody's using a standardized certain number of cycles. Mm-hmm. And so what we've seen recently is that our country in particular is amplifying further than other countries. And so I think that's part of the reason we're seeing this case-demic, the false positives. Yeah. So anyway, she, on her PCR test that they took, um, was a positive COVID. And then I guess they retested her and she was still a positive. But what was also interesting was that it was, also, it was listed as non-reactive. And she had a blood test done that showed that she didn't have the virus, it, like COVID-19 virus or SARS-CoV-2 virus, if we want to be technical. And that her blood test showed that she did have some other type of virus, like a norovirus. So that would really help explain those GI issues that she was having, yeah. wouldn't it? It yeah. seems like that would cover that would cover that. That would make perfect sense. It's nothing new, nothing novel. We've all seen that before. But instead of treating those symptoms and fixing that problem they gave her remdesivir to magically fix the covid-19 positive pcr test results so she had let me ask this so she had no she had this nova virus and it was causing gi problems so and they pretty much treated that with remdesivir which is not really so what it's for, but that, but, but it sounds like she was more symptomatic of the Novarius or Nova. I can't say it. Norovirus. Norovirus. Sorry. than she was of the actual COVID. So I don't know. I mean, that's my non-professional uh, view is that they overlooked whatever virus that might be and how that, that itself might be causing those issues and not the potentially misleading and false positive COVID-19 and went with, all right, well, if she's got the plus here, we're going to use remdesivir and that'll do the trick, right? Right? Because it's been proven to be so effective. Well, and and then that hospital... That's sarcasm. It hasn't been. That hospital had a policy that they didn't use hydroxychloroquine, right? Exactly. So actually, yeah. And so... I was literally like thinking about this like now a couple weeks ago or so when she was in the hospital kind of doing well. Like, you know, obviously like she's got a lot of health issues. And so we understood that it might not be a quick like get her in, get her out sort of thing if she wasn't feeling well. So, you know, and just let them take care of her and like let it run its course. But I was thinking, hmm, maybe her symptoms weren't so terrible initially with this COVID-19 and maybe she was doing fairly well and you know not going into dire straits because maybe as a lupus patient 
she was actually on hydroxychloroquine as she should have been because that's what you give lupus patients to treat lupus. Right. Like a fact. Pre-COVID-19, pre-Trump saying anything about hydroxychloroquine, lupus patients were taking hydroxychloroquine. And I remember this and I thought it was interesting because Scott Horton was talking about how his wife has lupus. And so, you know, that the whole hydroxychloroquine thing, like that's what she took. And so if there was all of a sudden this demand on the supply for hydroxychloroquine, like that would actually potentially put the lupus patients at risk because of not having what they need for their medic, like for their own medication and prescriptions. Like when it is known that that's what it cures or like treats and helps them deal with the symptoms. So here I am thinking, God, maybe she is doing well because she's on what she's supposed to be on. Right. And then we all stop hearing from her. And, you know, I guess that's when really things took a turn for a worse. There was an infection they couldn't identify, they didn't know about. There was internal bleeding they couldn't find and they didn't know about. Um, they had to sedate her and put her on a ventilator because also she had pneumonia. Wait, like, where, like it was just, shoot, this is all happening in the hospital? Yes, the internal bleeding all in all the hospital. That? Okay. Yes. And she caught the pneumonia in the hospital. Yeah, see, I was... As, as many people do. That happens very often. I was looking at the side effects because I was just trying to rem- rem- remember what they were. Because, like, I know that a lot of these, like, if the if the drug ends with, like, a veer, it's an antiviral medication, just so you guys know. So, um, know. I was thinking, like, a lot of these antiviral medications are kind of hard on the kidneys. And I remember you mentioned that your your aunt had multiple kidney transplants, right? Yes, two. My mom and my other aunt, so my the other sister in the group, my mom did the first transplant. It lasted for 10 good, she had 10 good years in my, in my sister Mary, who's passed, or my sister, their sister Mary. Um, so after 10 years or so, the kidney just wasn't doing enough, and she had to get another kidney transplanted for my sister. So the woman, like, you know, lupus affects the kidneys. So, and she needed new kidneys. She went through two kidney transplants, successful kidney transplants. Mm -hmm. And that was another thing is that um, I was also reading too, like, I just kind of looked it up because I I thought I knew, like, I'm pretty sure, like, I heard about the kidney thing, but I also saw something about bleeding. The internal bleeding she had. Yeah. They couldn't identify. They couldn't figure out where it was, but they just could just tell she was internally bleeding. Yeah, so that's what I mean. So I'm wondering if the bleeding might have been caused by the remdesivir too, because it does thin your blood out. So I'm just thinking, there's a lot of things that, that I, I mean, I know that hydroxychloroquine has a lot of side effects, and I get that. I can I understand, like, when people are saying that. Like, but think about it. You're not going to be able to take any medication that doesn't have side effects. Everything has a side effect. So... Yeah. You have to you have to also look at your patient and know that some medications are going to be okay for them to take and some are not. And I just like I don't know. Looking at her history, I would have called the doctor and I would have asked him if I was her her nurse. I would have been like, "Are you sure we're gonna we should be giving her Mdisivir? Because she has had two kidney transplants. <laughs> you know that at the very yeah, least. Yeah, not one, but two. And the bleeding stuff is. I mean, that may have been a little bit. There could be multiple reasons why that happened, because when you do have kidney problems, that can also cause, you know, bleeding problems, too. But so we we did get an update on that at some point while she was intubated. She was intubated for about a week. 
on the ventilator. Mm. And um, so one of the updates we got was that the internal bleeding appears to have maybe been an ulcer that healed itself. And so like I took that as a positive sign like that if her body is in the shape enough to heal an ulcer, it's on its own. And I do think they had stopped giving her remdesivir at that point because it was, you know, a very like short run of it. Yeah. I was like, you know, that's a good sign. That means, you know, all hope isn't lost. She's fighting like her body's working. It's doing things it needs to do to heal itself and like to fix itself. And it's just, I, you know, it wasn't enough, I guess. And I, I don't know the full picture. I'm not a doctor. I, it's all a lot of hearsay from family members and various family members. And then, you know, I've got my own thoughts and opinions on this stuff. But, you know, the fact that so this past like Jesse and I are recording now on a Wednesday, she just passed yesterday, Tuesday after they unplugged her from the ventilator. But so Friday, Friday was supposed to be the, like the night they called the husband, said it's time and, you know, allowed them to come out. And so they surprisingly enough um, allowed two people to go in and be with her and say goodbye and they FaceTimed the rest of the family. But so the saddest thing was is that my two cousins, they're both very young. The sister's the older of the two. And so they were going to be the two that went in and or like at least went in first because mentally they're thinking, OK, well, two at a time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. that's fine. And OK, you know, we're just glad and grateful that they're able to go in, period. They get in there and they start filling out all this paperwork, like mountains of paperwork, just to enter the hospital, let alone go up and see their mom as she's dying. How old are your cousins? And the youngest just turned 21 this summer. Okay. The oldest is 23, 24, 25, 24, I'd say. Okay. And um, young. You know, thank God they're not younger, but young. Mm-hmm. And, and then... My older, the the sister, she realized, oh, it's not two at a time. It's two, period. And she walked back outside and let her dad go instead. That's so sad. And so it's awful. I mean, so like the family is, would have been three people. There would have been one more person. (sighs) And so they space suited my cousin and my uncle up. And they went up and sat with my aunt. There was not skin to skin contact. Because she was, you know, probably a bit contained and they were in this hyperbaric chamber and they got to say their goodbyes, but they left with also what seemed like positive news, like the dialysis worked. And the reason they had called was because they couldn't, like the dialysis was blocked, it wasn't working, it wasn't going through, it wasn't going to function. And so they were like, all right, well, this is, this is not good. This is probably the time that you all need to come out and say goodbye. Yeah, And they were kind of wrong. And so she, again, it was another sign of hope that we all took. Like, she's trying. Like, she's in there and she's working. Like, her body is working and it's trying so hard to stay here. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we were all just kind of on pins and needles all weekend waiting for updates, waiting for any news, hoping that no news was good news. And then Sunday night we were all together. And they called my uncle and cousin and um, 
you know, basically said that they didn't believe at that point that they would make it to Tuesday's palliative care meeting. And so that, no, they couldn't come back and say goodbye to her. That is such BS. But she would be, but she would probably be dead by the time they had that meeting that they needed to to discuss her end of life care because (sighs) um, either septicemia, septic shock, something of the sepsis variety was the word that um, was relayed and that I heard. And yeah, which is basically like multi-system, multi-organ system failure. And uh, don't know how you come back from that. And, yeah. Um, poor woman was taken off the ventilator t- yesterday, Tuesday morning and gone shortly after. And just like, what a, and my example, it's just, just one example of a needless COVID related death not because of the virus itself, I would say, but because of the reaction to the virus and what their what the what the protocols are, whether there are the ones for the actual treatment, whether they're they're the ones for the actual visiting in the hospitals, like not being able to like I get limit the amount of people that might be coming in and make them sign all the paperwork you want, but to let these people die in isolation. I guarantee that's not that's it's not like that's not having an impact yeah. on these deaths. Dying in isolation and alone and without the skin to skin contact, without the oxytocin. Yeah. It's just that would keep you fighting, that would keep you going. It's just, you know, my aunt's not the only one. I know there's plenty more examples out there and who gives a shit if her PCR test said she tested positive for COVID, but the fact that they checked that box and so they check the next box of, all right, well, we're going to give her remdesivir. We're going to give her this Fauci drug that we're allowed to give because we're not allowed. We don't have the policy of giving hydroxychloroquine or any other therapeutic. Go, like, try something else. But let's give her the, let's give the sick woman the, like a his, like historically sick woman. And it didn't really fix anything. No, it didn't. And, it, and honestly, like the studies haven't shown that it really does. And that's, and that's the thing I don't. I have a I it's like have a major it's like, a, like issue milk with toast improvement. It's it's not yeah a miracle cure. It's not we haven't seen crazy amounts of um, positive reporting. Well, and I feel like they're doing this. This is their way to test the medic medication out to see if it, what it does. Like your your aunt was a test subject, mm-hmm. and um, that makes me mad because you know I think they're giving it to people who are already sick. And, um, if the, and if the patient dies, they can just say they died from COVID. They don't have to say they died from complications. Yeah. They don't have to say that it was the remdesivir that did it. That's the thing that makes me mad because it sounds like to me, she started getting worse after taking the remdesivir, but that's just me. And I'm just kind of questioning a lot of stuff, but I'm just saying, like... Since 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 the big they and the hospital they, like, they're not questioning it, and they probably won't. I mean, maybe I'm projecting onto them that they're not, but I, since I don't think they are, like, you know, if this is going to continue to be their protocol, and they're just going to, you know, experiment. I'm just saying, here in my little town, we use hydroxychloroquine on our patients here. Um, and that is something that the news won't report on. In fact, I, there was a local news story of a young man who they said, oh, he, he got COVID and he was a healthy young man. 
He's only um, in his 30s and he's got young kids and a, and a pregnant wife. And the, so they're just trying to make you scared because here's this they want young, you to, healthy man yeah, who yeah, has exactly. COVID, right? Anybody could get it. Well, Anybody could get it. They they stupidly put a link to his Facebook page where he has a video <laughs> of himself recording like everything. They never. I read the whole article. The article mentioned nothing about like was he a vapor? Was he a smoker? Because like I, I live in East Tennessee, healthy in East Tennessee can include smoking is relative <laughs> or vaping. Right? Yeah, right. Healthy is relative, <laughs> and maybe a little whiskey at the end of the day. Yeah. So well, that is medicine. <laughs> true <laughs> so i'm just saying like i started asking all these questions like on the facebook articles like all these questions you know and then some people were like it's none of your business you don't need to know all that stuff and then somebody was like well just look at his video so i looked at the video and he's like i don't smoke i don't vape um i don't do any of that stuff i don't drink and um so i was like okay he answered all those questions and then he said they started giving me hydroxychloroquine and I have started to feel a lot better. But the article never mentioned anything about him taking hydroxychloroquine. And they didn't even say anything about him like doing a lot better after it either. They just mentioned about how no. he's just this you young just man fear. with this disease. You just need yeah. the fear instilled in you. Yeah. I mean. You can't have hope. Nobody's allowed to have any hope. I really hope there is a study that comes out that that finds the hospitals that did not use hydroxychloroquine and the hospitals that did. And I want to see what the differences are. I bet there's a huge difference. I'm just saying, just like the hospitals in China that didn't use ventilators and against the ones that did. So, I mean, I'm honestly fairly sure I've already seen at least discussion of such studies um, up in Michigan I believe it was that, you know, the hospitals that and, and in the patients that did that were treated with hydroxychloroquine, the mortality rate was like demolished in terms like it, it was re- reduced to something so insignificant, like versus the others that didn't use it. Yeah, it was. I'd have to look for it, but I think Ben Swan did some reporting on it. I generally know he's uh He's looking at things the right way. And I guess like uh, one of the things like me and Maddie have been texting back and forth about like what we're going to talk about today because, you know, I definitely wanted. It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely wanted to, you know, let Maddie kind of talk about this situation because I thought that it would be pretty eye opening to just like how people really are treated in the hospital right now. Um, Well, here we are. Um like six months after our supposed 14 day uh, lockdown to keep us, to keep the hospitals, two weeks. Yeah. To keep the hospitals from overflowing. And now Flatten here we curve. are six months Flatten out the curve. and we're still doing all of this and we're, people are dying alone in the hospitals and it makes me very angry. Like not only is it, I was a hospice nurse. Okay. I have mm-hmm. been with patients that have died in, the hospital or died in their homes. And I can tell you like a lot of my patients, we would have patients for years sometimes because they were allowed to be with their families and with their loved ones. And when I worked in the hospital, we, uh, we would, I worked on the cancer floor. So we had a lot of patients that were put on our floor to die. 
and um, we had what was called comfort care. So we were just basically keeping them comfortable. We Mm -hmm. left the room. We would have catered food come in and let the families just stay as long as they wanted to. And sometimes we would, we could barely get into a room sometimes because there's so many loved ones there. And I would see a lot of these people, they just, when they passed away, they were so much more peaceful and they were so much more, um, even though they weren't awake, you could tell just by looking at their their breath and their body that they're just more relaxed. Their vital signs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just one of the things is that... I always tell my patients is that, or the families, that they can still hear you and they can still um, feel you. They may not be able to respond. And so that's the time to, this is the time to say your last words to them. So it just breaks my heart because I hate seeing that. People can't even get their last moments in. We, like what I mean, we didn't get that with my mother-in-law. Yeah. And we didn't even get a chance to Skype with her or nothing. So I know. It, that was the, that was, I mean. It's just like, what a terrible idea with the Skype thing. It's like, here, let me pass around a screen. So really like my, my mom, my dad, my, their other siblings, you know, one lives in Florida. So she, she didn't come up obviously, but literally the rest of the family, her immediate family was all there. My, like one of my other cousins, like they all sat in their cars in the valet lane and basically like apocalypse now looking Baltimore hospital. Like they weren't allowed in. They sat yeah, in front of the hospital on the curb and on a, did a FaceTime with my aunt who couldn't respond and that they couldn't touch and that they couldn't be there for. And it's just, what the hell? Like that is not a world that is worth living in. So in, in a lot of ways, you know, like part of me trying to grieve and like accept, accept her fate or, you know, what, what has happened is like, she really was like so good and so sweet and so kind of a person. And she is lucky that she doesn't have to continue living in this shitty world. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, and that's I think that um, that was one of the things we were talking about. Like, one, it, this has become so politicized that it's if you don't want to have a lockdown, if you do, if you want to go back to work and you don't want to wear a mask, you hate old people and you want them to die. But the policies that are put in place by a lot of these, especially like um, Andrew Cuomo, um, I don't remember the governor's name of Michigan. But all these other people that like there was heinous bitch, <laughs> yeah, like that Governor they refuse to Whitmore? allow pe- doctors do to prescribe hydroxychloroquine. They won't let you. They sent people home back to nursing homes who were sick with COVID. Those are the people, though. It was really surprising. The Nevada governor, I thought, came down really hard and like threatened yeah. medical licenses if somebody were to prescribe. It's like get the fuck out of medicine, yeah, you people. Yeah, honestly. And and then also, weird, like, your state promotes all the other kind of, everybody should do what they want to do, and as long as it's consensual, I don't care, go for it, but um, your your state promotes everything else under the sun, and then you actually have the audacity to threaten to punish doctors that are going to be trying to save their patients. 
honestly. What the actual F? But that's what that I guess that was my what I was going to lead to is like yeah, sorry all these policies that, that like you're talking about. Um, they're the ones that actually don't give a fuck about old people. Do you understand? Yeah. If nothing gets across to you guys at this point now, more than anything, it is that these people, they care more about getting Biden in the presidency than they do about saving people's lives. And really, it's about Biden getting in there as the puppet, because we all have seen and know that Biden is not there. Yes. And he won't be there even physically, I'd say for very much longer. I mean, this whole this whole idea of like us locking down and shutting everything down has not saved these people's lives. the The majority of the people that have died from this, the age is eighty one. The average age is of eighty one year old. You know what the average age in the United States is? Seventy nine. So we are just like the average age of death. Yeah. Yeah. So so the COVID victims are outliving average american yeah and uh, and the thing is is just that um who exactly was saved by all this all these policies what are you talking about old people are still have still died from it and meanwhile we are punishing the young people in this country i mean i look at my children right now and i i like, I take my daughter to school and I see all these people, all these young people wearing masks. And I told her, uh, if you want to take your mask off, you just do it. Okay. And if the teacher wants to call me or the principal wants to call me about it, let them, you know, so she does. And now there's pictures like <laughs> she has pictures of herself in school. Like she has, they, they made everybody take um, a laptop in case they have to go online because if one case of COVID hits, the world ends so she's like just taking yep. pictures of herself with her friends with her laptop <laughs> it's showing Good. it to me and like none of them like she's got her mask pulled down and i'm just like uh, proud of her and um it's just one of these things though it's just like this is the world that my kids have to walk into because even if they even if i homeschooled them they still have to like let me just say we had Season tickets to Dollywood. We can't go to Dollywood because my husband's so freaking scared. Um, the playgrounds yeah. were shut down all summer long. Um, the zoo was shut down um, until like, I guess, like halfway through the summer. Um, public pools shut down. I mean, are you kidding me? We oh, don't give it. <laughs> you're going to complain at me that I don't care about old people. Okay. What about young people? What about our what about our kids in this country? This whole thing has made it very apparent apparent to me, especially now that the whole cuties movie has come out, that nobody so gives a shit about children in this country. I mean, and not what I I know I'm being generalizing. I know that people do care about their children, but it's just it seems like the society as a whole, we have just not we don't value children or childhood anymore. Well, I guess, you know, to add to that, and in some way, not necessarily be the devil's advocate, but like, you know, uh, the the youth and the future generations, despite what Greta Thunberg and the, you know, and name an alarmist apocalyptic group where they think and say that, you know, 
or Bernie Sanders, our children and our grandchildren will be living or it will be uninhabitable. The world will be uninhabitable. So they, you know, get off on saying that they care about these people, the future, you know, and that we're destroying the planet and that, you know, we're ruining it for the future. It's really, you know, about the poor economic choices and poor economic understanding that most of these people espouse, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Uh, and I think a lot of it is is known. It's just not cared about. And it's very selfish and disgusting and greedy. Um, you know, the fact that Social Security doesn't exist, all these other welfare programs that exist now, the debt that exists, like all of this money that we're just playing with. And, you know, people like the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's of the world understood that oh with the stimulus like there is no reason we can't just print more money to meet all of our needs it's like we shouldn't be doing this period like they shouldn't be doing this for any of these stimulus any of these stimulus bills that happened during covid not a single fucking one not a single fucking dollar should be spent further like it, we've already got like trillions in debt right like i'm not crazy like that's a the only time we ever hear the word trillion is when we're talking about the United States' government's national debt. And so, unfortunately, that does get relegated to... Is relegated the right word? I don't care. It gets passed on to your children, my children that don't exist yet, their children. And it's just like, they don't care about kids. They haven't for a long time. And the fact that now, like... Ugh. we're watching that cuties thing happen and just the weird yeah and defenses now we just of it them. it's just like yeah well that's it that's the next stage and so now we're like in physical physical exploitation not just you know i feel sorry for the kids i feel sorry for those girls that are in that movie right now too because they're getting um their their images are being shared all over the internet and they're being... Yeah, think about all the creepy people looking at that. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. I don't know if you know this, people. but Ben Shapiro watched the movie and he did like a... Oh, God. I had to listen to Ben Shapiro's um, critique oh of the movie because I just went... I was like, what is he talking... Like, I can't believe he actually watched that movie. He should have never watched that movie. After his comments about his wife's nether region... <sighs> He's just so like, cringy. Why would you do that? Why would you do that to your wife? Like, don't bring her into this. Yeah. Mrs. Don't bring Mrs. Shapiro into this. Anyways. So, uh, yeah, he, so the so fact he, that he watched this. Oh God, he watched he this movie, okay? And he's not defending it. He's not saying that it was great. He watched it because of all the <laughs> hype of, from it. Yeah, so he yeah, wanted yeah. to see, I guess, just how bad it was, I guess. But I personally don't, after watching one clip, I was like, that's all I need to. That's all I need. It's more than what I wanted Especially, to see. Especially, that was the promo clip. That's disgusting. Yeah, so. Like, He's, promotion he said that most Reps. of the movie was really just boring and dialogue and um the theme of the movie was you know this young woman like the the main character is from senegal i believe or something and they come from a muslim country <sighs> so she's comes from a very conservative background and she's in france and inundated with all of this hypersexualization and he's saying that the point of the movie was to be like that to show you like how hypersexualized our society is but here's the thing we know that we over know that. 700 kids were being let's have a 
let's have a movie that yeah. gives visual representation of that hypersexualization that we're all complaining about and realizes a problem. Well, they and he would want to protect the his own daughters from the directors and then I guess the people that are making this movie. They had and they auditioned like over seven hundred kids for this. Yeah, disgusting. That means that they were. I mean, that's what do you think they're doing? Why would you need to have yeah. seven hundred ranking ranking children? And they had some twerkers beat out other twerk child twerkers. And then you have the That's disgusting the parents of these children, and what were they told? And then what were they believing? And what I mean, it's just this is the society that we're in. It's like we're so desensitized to sexualization of children that, and I, I'm going to be honest, I when I was young. I watched a lot of foreign films. So I watched a lot of movies from France and Germany and mm -hmm. um, Spain and things like that. And in France, especially, there's a lot of movies that involve young oh, kids. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then oh, I, I don't didn't know, know if that. you guys remember. I wasn't going to assume that. Do you guys do you remember or have you heard of a movie called Pretty Baby? This was in America, by the way. Um, Might sound familiar. Brooke Shields. But. No. Okay, so there's a movie um, out there. On the Brooke Shields note, um, what I do know Brooke Shields from is Blue Lagoon. Yep. Which is where she and some other child they were 14. stranded on an island. Yeah. Yeah, they were children, and basically they're just naked little yes. barbarians that survive and have for years, and then they come to puberty and learn to touch each other and, surprise, make a baby. That's weird. Right. That was an American movie. Yeah. Well, Pretty Baby was before that. and That's some weird sickos fantasy. I think she was 12 years old when she made this movie. And she is the she's a daughter of a prostitute. She's raised in a in a um, whorehouse, basically. And yeah. there's a scene that I was 16 when I watched this. So I was still kind of like, what am I watching? And I was able to rent this from Blockbuster. Okay. <laughs> That's one of the what was one of the fun things about turning 16. I could drive to Blockbuster, rent a movie, oh, any man. movie I wanted to. Any well, were you allowed to get the R-rated movies? Yeah, because the guys behind the counter were just high like they were just like high school kids too. Some of them I knew. Yeah, true. So they were like, sure. Yeah. Um Sure. <laughs> I give a shit. So I I lo always loved Brooke Shields when I was little. I always thought she was beautiful. So I rented that because I was like, I haven't, I haven't seen this movie. This looks crazy. And I'm watching it. And there's a scene where they're selling her virginity. Oh, my God. So there's like. I mean, like like a third world country. They literally like they show still do today. her on a platter. Like they're carrying her on a platter to the guy who bought her. Like she's sitting on a platter like she's a meal. And um, she's topless. And I'm thinking like. She, a child. She's a child, and I was not expecting that to be in the movie. Um, yeah. But it's based off a true story, and it's based off of this, I think it was a photographer who, he was famous for taking pictures of the prostitutes in New Orleans, and, or Nolans, however you say it, and <laughs> um, gonna ask he Rebel. ended up marrying one of the prostitutes, which was her, her character, and she was still a child when he married her 
So in real life, it really is. It was as bad as the movie was portraying it oh to be. Oh my god! But I was just thinking, like, even then at sixteen, when I was still like, "What in the world?" I still thought it was weird and creepy, and um, and I realize this is the thing that I realized because my parents are boomers. Okay, boomer parents are just <laughs> completely. They didn't know what the hell was going on. Okay. If you listen to Tim Dillon, like he rails on boomer parents big time. Tim Dillon is so funny. <laughs> but he's not wrong. And I think my parents were, <laughs> my parents were better than most. Like they wanted to keep track of where I was, but I could literally walk all over the whole town. And as long as I was back at, you know, before the sunset, I was fine. Like I wasn't in trouble. My parents, I didn't have a cell phone back then. My parents had no way of finding me or like they would have to, mm. you know, just trust that I told them I was going to the where I said I was going to. And I wasn't always yeah. honest. <laughs> I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And that another part of that is they just let me watch whatever I wanted to. Like, I remember my mom legit. She rented a movie for me. What was it called? Heavy Metal. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. No. It's like an it's like a 80s like heavy metal music like cartoon and that's why she got it because it was cartoon she thought like what oh yeah kids can watch cartoons Uh there's like boobs in it and sex and all kinds of stuff (laughs) she had no idea what she was running me at all so that reminds me of um, (laughs) that reminds me of my mom doing my innocent mom things like I don't know if you've ever seen or heard of the movie Now and Then. Great movie. Really good, like, feel-good chick flick. Um, But it's like, let's see, who's in it? Rosie O'Donnell, um, Rita Wilson. So, you know, Mrs. Tom Hanks, Mm -hmm. uh, Mrs. New World Order, I'd say. Um, Who else? Like, Christina Ricci, Gabby Hoffman, T. Tina Birch? I don't know. I might be mixing her name. Um, but a lot of people you'd recognize, like, from the 90s, both young and old. Yeah. And so, great movie. Everybody should watch it. Um, great soundtrack, too. Like, slaps. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but so, like, we love that movie as a, as a family. Like, love that. And just, it was our jam. And so, like, on the cover of it, it says, like, best coming of age movie since stand by me and my mom was like oh stand by me that was a great movie like i remember that like i'm gonna get that for my kids like if they're gonna if they love this one they're gonna enjoy stand by me and so we get stand by me and we watch it and it's rated r and you know that was before we were watching rated r movies and so obviously like besides the point of there being a a dead body that they're looking for and they find Mm -hmm. you know it's just like these kids cussing F-bomb this, F-bomb, I've already used the F-bomb today, so, but, like, so my, all of a sudden my parent, my mom's ears were like, ah! like <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean. But, I mean, it was fine. We continued watching it, you know, like. As a child it was of the a, 80s. It was a great movie. I will say. It was good stuff to learn. There's things that we watched when I was a kid that I've, wa- I've let Sonya watch some of the stuff that I used to watch as a kid. And it scares the mm-hmm. living crap out of her. And when I was a kid, I was like, whatever. Like, I watched, um, I, I had her watch The Labyrinth with me. And when uh, she, Labyrinth scares me. I don't like puppets. No. She was terrified of It is that scary. Movie. I'm with Sonya. 
<laughs> that what like the scene where like David Bowie and the puppets are like gonna steal the child and then they do steal the child like that haunts me to this day haunts me to this day I'm 30 years old that scares me <laughs> she goes back into the room after she hears that noise and she looks in the ah. baby's crib and then all ah. the that scared the crap out of Sonya like she was like turn the movie off but yeah, yeah no I don't Mm-mm. If you're an 80s kid I, though, and you watched all these movies, I know. like you're I mean, just you so desensitized, <laughs> and you were and you were so like you probably did the Fraggle Rock, and like that was you know yeah, or like all the all the Muppets and Jim Henson stuff. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah, that was great back then. But yeah, what else was? Oh, um, my sister and I were talking about because like one of our favorite topics, which is one of your favorite topics, is like just how effed and fucked up like. Hollywood is and what they do do to their children and um you know the ones that make it out and the ones that don't make it out Mm -hmm. um so we were we were talking about I guess the other Corey not Corey Feldman but Corey Heim yeah and so we were talking about the Lost Boys and I guess you know I think some of the abuse that he endured was during the filming of that movie and with some of his co-stars and i think charlie sheen's on that list you know the one of my favorite movies that Corey Haim is in is called lucas and never heard of it oh it's such a I honestly didn't know his name honestly until my sister and i were just talking about it and she he was a li- he was such a little cute little kid in that movie and um winona ryder's in it and charlie sheen is in it and somebody else but um it's such a, it's a good movie, but it's like a, you know, it's going to make you cry kind of movie. Mm. But um, I think that movie is where he was abused Maybe was by Charlie movie. Sheen because he was such yeah, a I've, kid. And when I've, I, and now I've that heard I know some that, disgusting things. Yes. And the, his character in the movie is bullied anyways. And so, <sighs> you know. I mean, they really do go after the weak or the vulnerable yeah, and you watch it now and all these where he's getting bullied and, and picked on and stuff and his reactions to it were so realistic and you realize they probably, he probably was channeling all the stuff he was dealing with while he was on yeah. set. He probably was being And they just captured it. Oh, it's so And then some assholes saying, it's for the art. It's so heartbreaking. And that's another thing about the it cuties is. is that um, a lot of people are fighting back about it and saying like, well, now... Um, conservatives hate art, right? Because they won't, they don't appreciate this movie. And it's like, art doesn't have to exploit children or hurt people. It doesn't have to involve that. I mean, you can be creative and artistic without exploiting people. And I guess like the point I was just trying to make is that, you know, Hollywood has been doing this for a long time since I was a kid. And I realized like me at 16 watching Pretty Baby, for Mm -hmm. example, and, yeah, what the hell? and watching The Labyrinth, which let's just face it, guys, if you ever watch The Labyrinth, I mean, why does, why is there a ginormous bulge in David Bo- Bowie's pants? Why is he wearing tights? He doesn't movie. have to be wearing tights. It's a children's movie. So children's I'm saying movie. like they've been trying to ruin ch- childhood for a long time. And so I, I don't know. It's like I, I. I'm kind of at a point now where I'm starting to realize, like, now that I'm a mother, that it's so important to protect your children. And especially with this whole COVID thing, it's like, it just woke me up even more to the fact that nobody cares about your children except for me. You know, I'm the only one that's going to care about my kids. I can't rely on the school to care, obviously. I can't rely on, you know, I'm not going to rely on Hollywood 
to tell my kids anything worth a shit and definitely cannot rely on our government in any fashion to protect my children. And as far as like, you know, the argument that, well, we're, nobody cares about old people now that this whole COVID thing proves how much young people don't care about old people. Well, old folks, y'all didn't care about kids either. So this is the world we live in. It's a depraved world. You can't rely on other people to protect you. It's, yeah, it's really, um, nobody's, nobody's job except a parent to a child. Like, that's their responsibility. And other than that, and once the child becomes a certain age, it's that child and that individual's responsibility. And that just is how it is. And, you know, we all, we, like, there's a difference between being mindful and being self-aware and being conscientious and trying to be a good person, play by, play by the golden rule. You really can't go wrong. Treat others as you would want to be treated and or better because honestly, we treat ourselves like shit as individuals sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, that I think that is a lot of people's health problems, yeah. you know, and, and mental health, physical mental health problems. Like, <sighs> go Wasn't read Jordan it? Peterson. Um, but there was a great conversation that, Monica Perez and Binkley had with um was it Lawman? Is that what his name is? Yeah. Legal it was Man. Really good. It was Legal a, Man. That's it. It was a great episode where they were talking about how like it just is imperative now that people wake up and realize because I think one of the things that they were talking about was the 9/11 stuff and um they were saying like everybody just still believes in that there's some people that still believe in the official story. They think that you know the government but Whatever the government told them is what happened. Is correct. Yeah. yeah and they shouldn't question it. Can't question it. And the thing is. And it's, sac- saying, it's sacrilege to question it. Yes. And the thing is, is because these people, they, they aren't evil. But because they aren't evil, they can't even imagine that somebody could be that evil and hurt that many people. And that's why it's imperative to wake up because, yes, they are. And it may not even be that they're intentionally being evil. It could be like, I think what kind of happened. Evil is acting through them. And that's a very real possibility. And they allow just allowing things to happen that shouldn't happen is one. Yep. And what is it? Is is it Edmund Burke's quote that's um, basically like, you know, evil is allowed by good men who don't stop it. Right. The same thing I'm totally paraphrasing child, that, but it, I, that's the same thing somebody's with this gonna, child exploitation to situation. Like, I believe that some people who watched the movie and didn't think that it was that crazy, I don't think that they are pedophiles. And I know that there are a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people online calling people pedophiles because they don't think there's something wrong with, like, you don't, just because you didn't see what everybody else saw doesn't mean you're a pedophile. But at the same time, yeah. you're not seeing it through, you're not realizing how this can be used by pedophiles. And you know mm-hmm. that clip is going through and that, that there's these sickos that are watching this and they're making comments online. And, you know, it's just, you're feeding the, like, you're feeding the demon and you're not protecting Feeding the a kids. lot of demons. So, yeah, I guess what I'm just trying to say is that, you know, where if we don't 
if we're not capable of realizing the evil that's out there in the world, we are not going to be able to fully know how to protect ourselves and our families. You have to be able to understand that, yeah, the government really is not going to protect you. And these people, like the people who who think cops are great, they will not make it to your house in time to keep your husband from killing you in the middle of a fight. They will not make it in time to get that carjacking from happening. They are not there to do that. That's why you have to protect yourself. And I think that's the thing is that we've gotten to a point we've got like we've allowed these people to tell us that we can't trust ourselves. That's it. You can't trust yourself. Like, you don't even know if you're sick. Yeah. Like, you don't even know if you have the virus, right? Like, all of these, we don't even have to be specific about things. Like, Jesse and I talk in a lot of generalities because these are themes. And these themes are applicable to basically everything we experience in our lives and what we've experienced over the past, you know, few years. And, you know, if you just start, like, Opening your eyes to seeing that these, I I think the most important theme is that, you know, (laughs) we should, or that people do act in their own best interest, whether they say so or not. And so don't ever forget that the government is comprised of humans acting in their own best interest. And so no matter what they say that their role is to benefit or help you, it's not true. Number one is going to always be them, as it should be. Mm-hmm. But they just shouldn't have the power over us that they do. Yeah. That's the thing, I think, is that... And I think this is a problem that the left is having right now. I don't think it's always been a problem. I just think it's currently the sickness that they're dealing with right now is that they feel like they have to control other people in order to control the virus. I have to make everybody wear a mask. I have to keep people from going into the hospital and seeing their loved ones dying to prevent the spread of this virus. It's just a dope. It's a dopamine hit that they get. Yeah. You know, they feel satisfaction by seeing another mask and by think, putting the mask on themselves. It means something to them. And it's like the they, road to hell was paved with good intentions. And so even these people that are, you know, innocently just thinking that this is a good thing and that we need to do this and that we're all in this together and it's to save the old people, it's to save the young people, it's to save me, it's to save mom. And, and really, at the end of the day, you haven't saved anybody. You never helped anybody. We've had these mass mandates and we still have seen positive tests. I mean, even though the tests are not accurate. And I will say the tests are not accurate because... My mom went to go get a COVID test and tested negative, and her doctor said that the tests aren't accurate, so she still needs to quarantine. And then I took my son into the doctor's office yesterday because he had um, a really horrible cough. The doctor didn't even want to test him because he said the tests aren't accurate anyways, and he doesn't show any symptoms of it. So what's the point, right? So if the doctors in my town from two different One's a pediatrician, one's a general practitioner at a whole different office are saying the same thing. I think it's pretty, and they both, like, the my pediatrician, or my son's pediatrician, he looked pretty annoyed that I even brought up the test. Like, he looked at me kind of like he was anticipating that I was going to say it. And they laughed at you? Yeah. And I I laughed, too, because I know it's ridiculous. I know my son doesn't have... Clown world! So... (laughs) 
<laughs> the more and more people realize that we're in clown world, the better. I just hope it keeps happening and it can happen a little bit more quickly. I hope we get a J-curve on the realization of we live in fucking clown world and we can get over this before the election because that's the designated, you know, determination date as we've been seeing um, leaked in actual audio from people and, I just, you know, everybody's got this idea that yeah, I and, and I'm just concerned. Somebody else will determine it at a later date. I just don't want people making decisions for me and my kids on like what's best for us. And I uh-huh. have no, I have no desire to tell other people how to live. And it just makes me scared because you know we're going to be living in a world where um, am I going to be living in a world where um, I'm going to be having to constantly protect my children from things like my mom and dad. They did. They let me go wherever I wanted to when I was a kid. They barely kept track of me. But that world is gone now. That time and is the things gone. you have to protect your the things you have to protect your kids from now are getting in trouble from the state, like the state taking your kids. I mean, kids. I mean, there are parents that lose custody of their children for letting their kids wander around by themselves. I know. So things that my parents used to do with me, like they would have, DCS would have taken me from them. Like, that's the world we live in now. Yeah, and you're right. It's keeping them from the state. And I mean, I worked in mental health for with kids for a year, for seven years. And a lot of the abuses and the, uh, and the neglect that they experienced didn't come from mom and dad necessarily. It came from the group homes, the foster homes. Mm. It came from the state and the placements that they put them in. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, the main thing though, is that, um, I do think we should have just protected the, the, with, as with any disease, if you are immunocompromised, if you know, like my uncle has cancer, for example, and a bunch of other issues he probably doesn't need to be going to like crowded places. He probably doesn't need to be around like small children that are sick. You know, it's just there, there's things that obviously he should be doing yeah. anyways. This pandemic doesn't did the lockdown didn't necessarily protect him from getting sick though. I mean, he still he just had to he had some more um, spots on his liver and. Um, mm some other i can't remember if it was his lungs but he had to go and get um biopsied and you know it didn't protect him from cancer i mean he's still i i personally think he's getting sicker because he hasn't seen anybody in months yeah um i when we skype with each other or zoom with each other like he looks horrible and it's because i don't think he's getting any sunlight i don't think he and i will say inside fresh air like i don't know about your aunt but my uncle and my aunt they don't necessarily always live like the healthiest lifestyle like they don't eat the healthiest food um then and that was how they always were before they both got sick so this one of these things that like and they both are democrats they think that you know, Biden's going to fix everything that that uh, Trump messed up. And... My aunt was at least smarter than that. <laughs> yeah. So, no like, offense. he he's the one that told me, he mentioned to me on, like, some Facebook thing that I didn't engage in, that we don't care about the elderly, but we're not caring about the elderly. He's, like, in his 80s. He's, he's lived the his, Democrat. He's lived a lot. The Democrat governors are killing And I don't want to be mean. people. But... 
old people, you guys lived your life. That's you true. had your childhood. Okay? Yeah. It, for what it was, you got your life. Like, do you really want to stand in the way of letting, like, my kids didn't get a chance to go play on the playground this summer. We didn't get to, we didn't get to go to the pool. We didn't get to do all the summer but, stuff that we wanted to do. Here's a question. Yeah? Does your uncle have kids? He has, uh, he does. She, he's got one daughter who's, she's grown now. And he has two grandkids that are, like, older now. They're, like, in their teens. So I don't know yeah. if maybe it's just, like, you know, he got to see them I was gonna say, when they were babies and cute and fun. And now <laughs> they're teenagers. And... Now, now they can fuck off. <laughs> I mean, it's generally, like, and something that I've we've noticed and, you know, it's been pointed out by people smarter than me, obviously, spend time studying it. But it's, like. The way certain leaders might act and that don't have kids or have one kid or have multiple kids, I, it's a spectrum and it varies. And I do think, like, honestly, like the bigger families, um, the more of an emphasis and importance on those families and, you know, the new... It doesn't need to be a nuclear family. Like, I, you know, I know the BLM Marxist organization <laughs> has wants to attack the nuclear family and the, the, the nuclear family is a sign of the patriarchy and it's the source of everybody's disha- unhappiness in the world right now that like here we are striving to be the nuclear family and if anybody fails that, then obviously there's cause for depression. It doesn't, fuck that. Like, who cares? How about family yeah how about uh, that's it family like that's how my family's always been like we've got a huge family we treat each each person as if it's brother sister yeah it doesn't matter if you're a cousin or not it doesn't matter if you're a second cousin or not doesn't matter if you're not a family member by blood if you are family you are family and it does not matter who lives under the same roof and so i think like one of the reasons that the only people that i have to talk about any of this stuff freely and I can talk to just about any of them almost any of them about anything I ever want to and not and not hold my tongue is my family and like we are the most peace loving you know we want to be just here and live in a community and mind our own business live and let live but honestly like it's families like ours and anybody whose primary focus is on family and the generations to come we're the most dangerous people to the United States government and probably any state for that matter. Yes. Um, I, I think that right now what makes me sad is that like I have like, you know, I would say about 50, 50 split, you know, it's Democrat Republican in my family. And we're, we're like that too, though. It's like my, I grew up with my cousins, like my siblings, mm-hmm. I was close yeah. to my uncles and my aunts and my grandparents. And, um, you know, I was an only child, so I loved the time I got to spend with my cousins. Because when I came home, it was just me and my, and my parents. <laughs> um, so, Quiet. you know, like I knew that's why I had I, I knew that I wasn't going to have just one kid because I was so bored and so lonely all the time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I think that really sucks about this whole thing is that it has split our family up. You know, mm-hmm. there's some of my, I have like a really, um, a cousin I was really close to for a long time. The government time. won then. Yeah. They won. She and I kind of split ways because of Obama, actually. Because my mom, Ugh. my mom and her got into a humongous fight. So, of course, I got pulled into it. But 
it's mm-hmm. just like ridiculous that people let Not politics matter it. so much. It really doesn't. And um, yeah. I wish more families realized that. And I really wish more families like, I like Zooming with my family and stuff, but it just isn't the same as like seeing them in person. And that really sucks that I can't see them. You know, I've, I've seen any member of my family that I've wanted to see this whole quarantine, all this bullshit. Honestly, like that's one of the best things. Like anybody that we've wanted to see, we've seen each other. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately with my family, like most of them are More than in Atlanta Lakers. or, um, and, or they're spread out. So it's kind of like we used to every year, this time of year, we would all get together for our cousin's son's birthday it would be like an excuse for us all just to get together in north carolina and hang out and of course we're not doing that this year because half of the family is afraid they're all going to die of covid so they much rather spend like this honestly my uncle for example this might be like not he might not be long for the world so there was a chance that we all could have gotten together it might have been i'm hoping it's not the last chance we have to get together but if it was it would be really heartbreaking that he chose to be living in fear in his house rather than to see his daughter his grandkids his nieces and nephews but i mean what can you do yeah no i am i'm very glad my aunt came and got to see my new house that i bought like you know she was always so invested in our lives and i was texting my sister about it earlier just you know sharing the good memories and just all the things to love about this woman and you know she had her own special relationship with everybody and um it wasn't about her it was about them you know how some people like mm-hmm. ask or do things and you can tell it's really for them yeah. themselves like, this wasn't her at all, you know? It was just genuine interest in the other person and what they were doing. And in some ways, maybe that's sad because that meant she was bored. But I I, I don't think she was bored. She had too much going on, too, much, too many people around her that, you know, did love her and were doing things. And she was interested in what they were doing. And, you know, it was all just genuine, 100% genuine. And so I'm glad she came to see my place. I'm glad um, I was at least able to communicate with her digitally before she went. But basically everything else sucks. And I can't believe we're still doing the same shit that we've been doing since March. Yeah. And it is September, end of September. And nothing, there's been, uh, according to Team Apocalypse, there is no improvement. There is no hope. And we are all doomed unless we continue to wear masks, which don't do fucking shit. I hate masks. And 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 lockdown. Yeah, but you you tell like that like my uncle for example, I was I posted an article about how the tests were showing up positive, but they were most likely Faulty, negative. Yeah. And it was hopeful information. Yeah. I actually posted on there. I was like, "This is good news, guys. This means that it's not as infected." This is good news. Infectious or as deadly as we all thought it was in the very beginning, this should be great news for you guys. And it's like I've noticed it's like every time I tell can't, somebody can't have it. that this is good news, can't we're not going to die, we're going to make it. It's going to be okay. It's like they they want us to die, yeah, or they want to be afraid, or I don't know. It's satisfying. In You're some not taking way this seriously enough. You want to kill people. some people. You're dangerous. And it's just 
no, kiddo, you're dangerous. Like you are, de- you are literally <laughs> you making people commit suicide because you're giving them no hope. You're giving people who exactly. lost their jobs I nothing, mean, nothing to look forward yeah. to, and you're taking away like, like I know this is crazy, but I I remember we were all celebrating my grandmother's birthday, and we were just talking about the summer and. My daughter, who's seven years old, she said, we just sit in the house. There's nothing to do. She just kind of looked frustrated. And I, and, um, and I was like, you know, she's right. There's absolutely nothing to do because it's hot as hell outside. Be fun to go to yeah. a water park or a pool or I don't know, yeah. a museum, but we can't. Can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, I can't. We should probably wrap it up soon, but, yeah. um, and I can't remember if I commented on it before, but just another, probably not just because of timing and everything and me being absent, not with Tom Hanks disease, just a busy, busy life. <laughs> but, um, we lost, uh, my brother's, one of my brother's best friends from childhood. Like, we don't know if it was suicide, but also if you're a former addict and you choose to use a substance yeah. That you literally, I mean, you know, everybody makes choices and well, that was a boredom, deliberate choice. Boredom is a yeah. kiss of death for boredom, an addict. Boredom and no hope mm-hmm. and nihilism yeah. are all death sentences. And so just, you know, don't let any of them, don't let any of them take root. And personally, I hold... Dr. Fauci responsible for that. I I hold all God, I, 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 every single governor in the United States that that allowed these lockdowns to happen. Basically, everybody except except the South Dakota woman. Our local health department made made a law that we had to wear masks and uh, things like that. I I hold them all responsible for all the suicides, all the relapses, all the child abuse cases that have showed up in the ER. All of it. I hold them all responsible for it. And, um, there, I mean, there's so much about this whole situation that's not about the virus. It's just about, like, a whole social sickness that we're all suffering from. That's the sickness. Yeah. We, a, we all a, hate each other. societal sickness. We all hate each other. We're afraid to leave our house. We're afraid to, um, engage in relationships with, with people. We have family members that we can't talk to anymore, friends we can't talk to anymore, because it's just too sensitive. And it's just ridiculous. And again, it's not a world it's, I mean, not, I, and don't, nobody should take this as like, I'm thinking anything suicidal, but like, <laughs> I'm not kidding when I say that it's not, that is not the type of world worth living in. Yeah. And I don't blame people that are taking their lives. Like, I don't believe it's the way out. I don't believe it's the answer. I do think it's in a way cowardly, as sad as that is. And I, you know, it's not my experience. It's somebody else's experience. And if that's the only way that they find peace, I can't blame them again. I just wish that there was something else that they could do or that somebody else could do. But it's they're, they're manufacturing a miserable and artificially miserable world. And it doesn't have to be that way, guys. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I make people upset, but I'm just not going to be quiet about it. Um, you know... I'm going to be very vocal about how I think that this has been manufactured and made into a much bigger issue than it needed to be. And it caused a lot more damage than it did any good. I'm going to continue to be vocal about it, even 
you know, I'm like that around. I mean, if you, I'm not going to just like say it out loud, but if you ask me what my opinion is, I will tell you what it is. Um, yeah. Some plate like Same. today, I've just been noticing less and less people wearing masks. And I started thinking, I thought today, you know what? I'm just going to stop wearing ma- my mask because it's ridiculous. I, if, and the whole thing is, is that here we are. The reason why these, why these bullies have gotten away with it for so long is because we cave and give in to Let it. them. And if we, we don't have to be mean and we don't have to be like Karen's about it, but we can be vocal. And I think that's all that these people that I think we're the majority. I think a lot more people agree with us. They're just afraid to say it. So I'm just saying. Because most people are afraid and speak up. If you have the balls, speak up and say it out loud because somebody's watching you, whether you know it or not, and they will be emboldened by you. And if there's more of us that speak up against this, then these people like Dr. Fauci and all them, they lose their power. The more that we lose their power, which again is artificial. Yeah. Because they're just a bunch of lies. It's all lies. All of it. So if they know their lies are not working on us anymore, they don't have any more power over us. I'm just saying. Yep. On that note, um, let's rock out like superstars. (laughs) Um, one more we application need the heavy of metal. chapstick. Uh, Cam needs to end this with a heavy metal song from like the movie Heavy Metal. <laughs> Cam, uh, could you do that? I don't us? know what song it is, but yeah. Yeah. Ooh, actually, you know what? Um, I might give him a, it'll probably do some copyright thing, but it's a free song. So maybe there won't be a copyright thing. Oh. Maybe if you just do like, I think you can oh, do like, like up to 20 can. seconds or something like that. Okay, then Cam, I've got a song. Jesse, it's one I dropped in our ANCAP ladies group chat on Instagram because it's awesome. And it hits all the right all the right metal badassery notes. <laughs> Alright, let's see. So guys, it's been a while. I'm glad to be back. Um, thanks for everybody for tuning in to everything Jesse had for us in the meantime, but as always, you can find us and communicate directly with us on Instagram most rapidly. Fox uh, Zuckerberg, but you know what? We'll still use this platform in the meantime. Um, Voluntary Vixens. Uh, on Twitter, we're Vixens Voluntary. Facebook, Voluntary Vixens Podcast. Even though they've been censoring too. You know, doubling up on the censorship. Gotta love it. Let's see. We do have a Patreon. I know times are hard, so we get it, guys. But if anybody does feel inclined to shoot even a dollar a month our way, like that's exciting. And then we let that money accrue so that once a worthy cause comes across our tables, we're able to contribute a little bit more than we would be able to on our own. And so, you know, every little bit helps. And it's not like we're just, you know, making money off this thing at all. So, yeah, you know, just if you're inclined to do so, we love you. And we're very, very very grateful for anybody who listens whether they also contribute financially or not the fact that anybody listens to this period is awesome do you want to sign us out since i blabbed on forever keep it sane keep it peaceful and keep it voluntary good night everybody
machine keeps turning. Death and hate keep to mankind.